Moving on. <laughs> I, I have to tell you, I had Oberly sausage. <laughs> my, my, my buddy. Tom- now we're talking here. Let's get into <laughs> Now my- we got a show. They should be paying me, man. I'm, I was thinking the same uh, thing. I mean, we were in a meeting over at First Form the other day, and Tim, the next day, these guys in the studio were like, ah, so what all did you talk about? And Tim's like, mostly Oberly dog. <laughs> yep. It was a lot of talk about meat. <laughs> This segment of DOD TV is brought to you by Leopold, American to the core. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast, episode number 191. This is where the cowboy rides away. You keep giving me applause. I'm going to keep saying it. Usually when I hit it again, it stops it. <laughs> it doesn't. I'm sorry. It it's does. not the way the board. Try it. The bull. That top. I've run the board since. Bart. Can't stop it. <laughs> Usually I could. Usually I could. Ifs and buts were candy and nuts. L- listen, I've run this board since we invented this thing. <laughs> listen, Sonny. <laughs> You're not going to tell me how the board works. The, the only reason I'm singing is because you are leaving a property and I am leaving a property. So I thought we'd talk a little bit today, later on after we get through shout outs and everything, about how you exit a property. We always talk about... Slider on fire. What, <laughs> burn it down. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> Go out in a blaze of sour grapes. That's right. That's just good life advice. Advice in general. Blow it up. When you leave Burn a job. Every bridge you can. <laughs> Although that's a little timely right now in our country. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not go there. <laughs> so happy middle of January. Yeah. So uh, we're excited. We we teased a, uh, we deep teased last time a T-T. Winchester uh, podcast that we got in the hopper. We filmed it before Christmas break. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got word that that will be the next podcast that we launch. So it'd be next week's podcast. They got some big news coming out. I believe this Thursday or Friday. And, uh, so this podcast kind of jumped dives into the details. So deep teasing it again, make sure next week that you jump on board and, and, and listen to the podcast Some cool information coming out from the Winchester ammo and arms camp. Yeah. Yeah, and another tease, if you like shooting guns, tune in. Hmm. Hmm. Wink, wink. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to now. Moving on. <laughs> I, I have to tell you, I had Oberly sausage. Ah. My, my, my buddy- Tom- Now we're talking here. Let's get into <laughs> Now we got a show. They should be paying me, man. I'm- I was thinking the same uh, thing. I mean, we were in a meeting over at First Form the other day, and Tim, the next day, these guys in the studio were like, ah, so what all did you talk about? And Tim's like, mostly Oberly dog. <laughs> yep. It was a lot of talk about meat. <laughs> Well, <laughs> dear sausage, <laughs> let's clarify, shall yeah. we? You sicko. No, it was awesome. My, my buddy, Tony Cantrell had uh, a couple deer process down there yeah. and it wasn't Oberly dog. It was like summer sausage or something. Well, was um, it done at Oberly's market? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was Oberly dog. Yeah. So, so pretty much like anything, cause I was thinking Oberly dog was like a hot dog kind of. No. Okay. It's all called, you go so. to Oberly's and that's, so that's the last name. All right. Of the, of this family. Got that. And they, they have a, a big market there in, in St. Jen off highway 32, just right outside the town of St. Jen, right at the outskirts. And, uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's been around for 
for generations and generations through that mm-hmm. family. And you can buy it locally here in like Deerberg's and Schnucks markets. And these are local grocery stores. And, um, and anyways, you can buy, it. I'm sure you can buy it online too. This stuff, it's like a German sausage, you know, that St. Genevieve is a very German town, well, French and German. And it's, a, that's a very German sausage. And it's just, it's kind of famous locally for us. And obviously I've talked was, a lot about it on here, but it was legit. I didn't realize, you know, a couple of years ago, dad started getting some of his deer processed there yeah. and having overly dog made out of, you know, our sticks or whatever made out of the deer meat. And I didn't know you could do that until just a couple of years ago. I've always had just the, you know, I don't know what they put in it, you know, what products. Awesome. Yeah. So I've just had it normally, but the, the, the deer ver the venison version is just as good. I mean, it's really, really good, man. I, yeah, I don't know how I could get any better than what I had. Yeah. So, so it was legit. I hope you regret <laughs> all the things you've said about overlay sausage up till now. <laughs> all zero of them. <laughs> that's baloney. <laughs> hey, that's hey, a great joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's hop into our shout outs. We got so Joey Mitch sent us an email. Oh, Joey. Joey has He's got two names, two first names. <laughs> My dad always said never trust a guy with two first names. <laughs> Joey, we're not making fun of you. We're making just, fun with you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Although uh, you can't help <laughs> you can't help yourself here. <laughs> Joey has answered a 31 year question of mine. Oh. So uh so Joey said this is what the guy yells out in Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks. Uh since Tim has referenced that a few times on the podcast, keep up the great work. So he included a link. I read that I actually went to this. Did yeah. you? Yeah. I had no idea. This is yeah, this is me so neither. cool. Uh so the, so the, the website says the cry of push Marie so the guy is screaming, push Marie, not loose spring like I thought. He says, uh, the, the cry of push Marie can be heard if you listen extra close to friends in low places. Marie is the wife of Brooks's touring guitarist, James Garver, who was delivering a baby when a song was being recorded. And Garth said that we figured all of it was good luck and it should be left in the studio. So cut. The other part of that, they at the the final verse, they let their friends kind of come in and you can hear, you know, cans popping open and they they were having a party there. So it's pretty cool to kind of hear a little bit about the background there. Yeah. I never would have guessed it was push Murray. I never knew this even existed until you brought it up. Have you, you need to go back and listen. Go back and listen. Okay. All right. Next one. Brad Odom, who is like maybe the king of DeerCast. <laughs> He's in DeerCast more than I'm in DeerCast. Yeah. And that's saying something. Yes. So uh, Brad is a super fan. He says, great podcast, guys. Awesome job, Matt, taking Nolan hunting. That was a very special memory made. You guys will never forget. Keep the podcast coming and God bless. So that was in reference to our last podcast where we were talking about me taking uh, my nephew Nolan out, who was home from the Air Force for Christmas break, his first mm-hmm. time being home. And we got it done on the river farm and that's kind of going like full circle back to your original point here. We both are leaving farms, you know, what, what's the plan here? And and we both have pretty good seasons on those, yeah. on those properties. Yep. So it, to me, it's always a little sad. Like w- when you become so familiar with a piece of land, it almost becomes like a friend. Like, you know, where everything is, you know, how everything behaves out there. And yeah, on that river farm, I feel like I just, I just started getting to know it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was finally dry. Yeah, I had three years. years. The first two, it was flooded basically during the fall and I had no food on it. And this year was a dry year and it Mm -hmm. was fantastic. I mean, I hated to see it go. And it was a property that we had listed. We bought it, dad and I, and then we listed it uh, in the 
spring maybe or summer or somewhere in there this year because that was like all right it's dry let's get rid of it <laughs> we <laughs> can know? show it go 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 yeah so you know i hate hated to see it go honestly because this thing i mean it was my best spot this year and it, yeah, it was pretty pretty convenient for me as far as you know it was an hour and a half from my house it was mm-hmm. 45 50 minutes from the studio get there get home pretty easily and uh so i hate to see it go and it really produced for us you know we had two great kills on it and i passed a ton of great bucks and neighbor killed a 185 you know a couple hundred yards away from me you know it was just a good yeah it it turned out to be a great farm but it's you know who knows i have a feeling we're gonna have a maybe another dry year another and who knows you never know but i just kind of had it felt like we went through a real wet period and i just was unlucky and couldn't hunt it and that's kind of part of you know we're on the wrong side of the levee there and so Mm-hmm. That's just part of the gamble you take when you have a piece of property like that. And that's why it was pretty affordable to purchase in the first place. I mean, sure. just, that's part of it. But, it was haunted. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I really did fall in love with it. And it was, we hunted there more than anywhere this year. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I hate to see it go. But looking back, you know, it was, it was, I think about Mark and Terry and kind of their evolution of hunters as hunters in you know, taking a new spot and making it better or moving on. Like when they first started, it was all, you know, public land or it was leases or it was, they didn't own ground. Yeah. And, you know, you learned a lot. They learned a lot about deer movement, but they also learned a lot about, man, it would be nice if I could own a piece of dirt and control, control, control certain Mm -hmm. things. And you, you know, you've experienced this a lot too. Yeah. And, uh, it's one of those deals where, this was the first piece of property because I, I had the lease, but I don't control the farmer. I don't, you know, they, they lease that out to a farmer and I, mm-hmm. yeah. he's constantly changing things and whether it's where the cattle are or what he's planning and that changes my season. The Milo kind of yeah. this year. Yeah. Millet. And it's just like, God, oh, man, I wish I had something I could control. And this was my first opportunity to do that. And it was fantastic. I mean, it was like, holy cow, it's what a world of difference sure. when you put a plan in place and the plan actually worked because no (laughs) outside interference, (laughs) you know? And, uh, so I, I I hate to see it go from that perspective, Uh but I am looking forward to what might be next season. Sure. 2021. I don't know yet. I'm working on, uh, another lease, uh, with, with Aaron Bennett trying he and I working on another pretty cool lease. That's kind of a different direction from the lease that I have, but still within Mm -hmm. driving distance of the studio and home and all that. And, actually probably not too far from kind of where you're at. And so look forward to a new challenge because this is another piece of dirt that has all kinds of potential. Mm. If, if, if we get it, it's got all kinds of potential. It's a couple hundred acres, but it had been really the piss had been hunted out of it the last, mm. you know, 20 years or yeah. however long. It just, the, the people that were there were kind of that quote unquote, that neighbor that uh, all the people around them <laughs> just, just, kind of like yeah i wish i wish they'd manage or i wish they do this they had a lot of people hunting it well it's got a ton of potential so it's now time to take what i learned you know here on the, uh-huh. on the river farm and and what i've learned on the lease over the years and from mark and terry and try to take it into a new piece of property um i, I here too i won't have total control over it but i think we're we're leasing it from a guy who's also going to be the owner will be hunting on it as well. And so it's three of us and we're all like-minded and what we want to do. So I think that'll help. We're going to kind of, kind of come up with some rules, general rules of 
how many deer you can take or, you know, who can hunt it or who can't and, you know, make sure that we're all on the same page trying to get a long-term lease on it. So I'm not putting all this effort in and next year it's gone. Then you're gone. But uh, ultimately I would love to find another piece of property, you know, to, to um, take down and, and, and start, putting a plan forth. Mm-hmm. Now I, I want to do it on my own. So it's probably, I'm looking for what is it? Maybe 40 acres or 60 acres or 80, you know, we had sure. Dan Perez on a long time ago on the podcast and he was talking you know, from white tail properties and his first piece of property, you know, was like six acres. And then it was, you know, it just, it was interesting Building to see how these guys it. build into it. And Terry, I think his first was a, <laughs> maybe an 80 or 60 or, you know, they, they build into these things. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm looking forward to taking as the next step as we kind of say goodbye to the other piece and go to the next piece. Yep. How about you? Yeah. My my scenario is a little bit different. It's a, it's a handshake deal kind of from where I used to work. It was a 200 and it was 180 acre youth camp. And I, and I had full reign to the whole place. So they're selling off a hundred acres of it to uh, the County. And and I think it's going to become a park, Mm -hmm. which would be kind of weird to like, once it becomes a park to go out there and have all these stories of hunting it when hunting probably won't be allowed out there anymore. Um, But, but it it is a little sad. Uh, But like I said earlier, I had a good, I took two nice bucks off of it this past year. So that's great. Um, Obviously I got stands. I got to get down like soon because I think the deal closes here at the end of January. So I got to go, I've probably got five or six stands out there that I got to pull down, which is not typically been part of like, there's never been a rush for me in January to go do that. Sure. Do you pull them down every year? Uh, most of them I do. And and the ones that I don't, I, I need to pull down and just trash them. Like, I feel like if I went up in them, I'd be hunting on borrowed time because there's just enough. Yeah. Well, they say it's like 30 days after you're done hunting, you're supposed to take it. I think that's what the the guidelines are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. As far as I understand, you're really not supposed to leave anything up Uh -uh. over the year. Although I I know a lot of guys do. Um, so, so got to pull the stands down. Um, and I don't like, I've got some cameras out there too. I've got to pull, make sure I I pull all those out. So it's like getting out on time Mm -hmm. and just leaving the place in, in good shape. Like I don't want to, I don't want (laughs) to leave any junk out there. Uh, There was a barn that I used to use to get changed in and I'd leave some equipment in there. I need to make sure that's all pulled out of there. You just, you know, you want to, you don't want to leave a bad taste in people's mouths you know, when you exit oh, yeah. a property, cause yeah. it just says a little bit about who you are and everything. And well, and you're representing, this is kind of a cliche, but you are representing the rest of us. So yeah, yeah, you know, that's I mean, true. You know, if, especially if it's a group that's not hunters, it's like, all right. And they are know. not. So Tim was a good guy. Oh, hunters might be okay guys. You know, that's mm-hmm. the way, it, that's the way it goes big time. And, and, and I know like, so, so you and I are in similar boats in that we're leaving our properties on good terms, but yeah. sometimes you get asked to leave. Yeah. I've not been asked to and, leave. And, and, and it may not even be because of something you've done, but it could be because just the simple fact that they've got someone else that's coming into hunt or maybe it's yeah. been a handshake deal and someone approached the landowner about paying, like actually leasing the ground and they went with that deal. And, yeah. and, and I know a lot of guys get really hurt about that. And, and, and I've seen some people do some really <laughs> sketchy things. I've heard of some things too. Where because it's of like, that hurt. They come in and they kind of torpedo the next guy and they, are they trespass or they keep hunting it or all kinds of crazy stuff, which is unfortunate, (laughs) which, which to me, if if I were a landowner, I would understand the hesitancy to let anyone come onto your property. Cause it's almost like having a renter. Like once you allow someone into your, into a home that you own or property that you own, getting them out of there is really difficult. Well, I think that's where, you know, handshake deals are 
great and all, and, and we're a way to do business, uh, you know, back in the day, but mm-hmm. anymore, you need to cover your assets and you got to, you need a contractual agreement between both parties and there needs to be language in there. I mean, and there, there are leasing companies that specialize in this type of thing. They're, they're blank, you know, contracts that are out there that you can copy and paste on the internet and utilize as a, you know, as a basis. Or if you have a, a family attorney or something, you really need to, if you are a landowner and thinking about, you know, leasing your ground, really need to cover yourself because sure. you just don't know. I mean, <laughs> you don't know what people are like. And, and, and something to consider also, um, I, I've, I've had a scenario where it was kind of down to me or the, uh, another hunter that was hunting a piece of property. And it was because there were a couple of times where there was some conflict and he wanted to hunt. And I just kind of backed off and said, that's because I didn't want to make any more drama for the landowner. Yeah. The, the, Cause they don't want, yeah, it's not, it's like, it's, it's, it wasn't, guys, wasn't worth it. Yeah. It wasn't <laughs> worth it to them. And when it came time for them, they decided they didn't want as much traffic out there. They elected to have me continue hunting because they knew that I was going to be low maintenance. They yeah. weren't, it wasn't going to add it to something else to their plate. Yeah. So, so you don't know, like if you leave gracefully, maybe that provide, it leaves a door open for the future of something changes. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. So something to think about. We should, <clears throat> we should help our buddy Zach out. Uh, he's got the question of the day this week. All right. The question of the day is probably brought to you by Plano cases. Protect your passion. What's up, guys? My name is Zach Settlemore. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Hey, yes, too. Here soon, we will hear a lot of talk about frost seeding, food plots, when to plant them, what to plant. So my question for you is, do you guys frost seed? What kind of seed do you frost seed if you do any? And or, you know, what are the major benefits that you foresee by planting? By frost seeding. That's something I have not done, so I would defer to you. <laughs> okay, so we've done it the last couple, probably the last three years on on uh, the lease. And <clears throat> it's something that Mark and Terry have done forever. And so I always default to those guys when I'm trying to learn something, obviously. Sure. And so Mark used uh, and uses Biologic's non-typical clover. So he feels like that's the best clover, the most palatable clover out there. And basically when you're frost seeding, you're trying to, and, and I'm sure I'm going to screw this up somehow, but my Me understanding too. of it is, all right, so say late February when you're in the Midwest here anyways, you're coming off of where the, the ground's more or less frozen, right? And in the daytime, it's it heats up enough where it starts to melt a little bit. And so what happens is if you frost if you frost seed, basically you're just taking a hand seeder or whatever and you walk your food plots and you're putting it on top of the dirt, right? And so like for for me, I've done it in so say I plant uh biologics last bite. The, the you know in the late summer okay well then i'll come in and frost seed that with non-typical clover that same food plot mm-hmm. and basically the seeds kind of sink down as as things are melting the seeds sink down just deep enough to get the coverage and it helps germinate those seeds you know, for when the spring hits and when things really start warming back sure. up. So it's just kind of, it's a way without any equipment to go in there and plant a food plot. That's already yeah. kind of, I mean, I, I guess you could do this with, you know, on a, on a, you know, a piece of dirt that hadn't been worked or I, I've never done it on anything except for a food plot that's already been there. Okay. Um, so I, I don't know how it would work in other applications, but that's how we've always done it. And I'll say like, 
my best two food plots on the lease this year were two food plots that, that Scott went in and frost seeded hmm. in February or, okay. or early March, probably late February, I think. And so there's two plots where we didn't have to do anything other than mow, you know, so then you got maintenance in yeah. the spring and the summer that you have to basically it's, you know, spraying some weeds and it's, it's mowing and mm-hmm. continuing to mow. So it doesn't get out of control, but they were, they were our best food plots and it's basically a annual food plot yeah, that you don't have to mess with. That's exciting to me. Yeah. So it's, it is a, it's a hell of a, I, I think Mark, has changed a lot of his food plots are he's got a lot of clover on his, on his farm Mm -hmm. because it works so well and it's palatable, you know, year round. So now that doesn't help you. You still got to make sure you, you know, your pH is good and the lime and the fertilizer and all that. But on these plots that I'm talking on the lease, we've done that work and the Uh pH is pretty good. I mean, I, we probably should test it again this year just to make sure, you know, it's still where it needs to be. But in general, We'll go back in and, you know, frost eat them again and, and, uh, they should be pretty good. low maintenance. It is and, pretty low maintenance. And in effect, I mean, when, when we ask, when, when people ask us and we had Jared Lurk on the show a year or two ago, so I think someone asked, what is the one food plot you would plant if you had to? And I think he said clover. And that's something Mark talks about a lot too. And I think part of it is because of that maintenance. So guys like you and I, we don't have any equipment, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have no equipment. So when it comes time for planting, I'm usually renting something thing from, you know, a friend of mine, Randy, that has it. And so he'll, well, you know, I pay him to come in and he'll work the dirt and he's got the equipment and the old tractor and implements. And then, uh, so for me, it, to be able to frost seed it and you don't need any equipment except a spreader and, you know, the seed, yeah. that, that's pretty convenient to, to, and a cost effective, frankly, sure. to be able to continue to have a, a food plot. That's, you know, like I said, it's really year round the deer hammering my clover right mm-hmm. now. And, but on that property, my other food plot didn't really take because the timing, the, the lack of rain we got there, it was coming it up was but as it year. was coming up finally and we got rain, it was coming up. The beans were already defoliating and turning yellow. Uh-huh. So the, the deer switched to my food yeah. before it could come up and it looked like a mowed yard the entire, it, literally the entire season. So it really hurt me up there on that part of the farm. Well, now we're seeing it like that's a dead zone up there. Well, the deer focused in down on the clover. So and the turkeys will hit that too. Oh yeah. So it's another yeah. draw for turkey season. Yep. So yeah, that's great, great question. Yeah, there. really was. So uh, if you want to leave a question, just go to the show notes and uh, click the link and it'll take you just click the send voicemail button and leave your name uh, question and we'll get it on the air. Now for the wildlife word. The reason anyone ever listens to this mm. show Ooh-wee. brought to you by Muddy Outdoors, home of the highest quality products for serious hunters. Mm. Uh, the whitetail has a four-chambered stomach, as you know, Matt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those chambers is called the rumen. What process happens in the rumen? Is it A, fermentation, B, bioluminescence, C, nuclear fission, or the dehydration of plant tissue, D? Uh, I'm going to go with D. I was thinking A, but I'm going to go with D. You should have gone with your original thought. Dang it. It's fermentation. Yep. Yep. Podcasts, horses, wildlife word is jacked. Yeah. So you're welcome, everybody. All right. This is a short one this week, but we know people like them short because they're not great. <laughs> she said. What does that mean? Who Who are you talking about? Sorry, Wait, is guys. that a joke? 
that's a soundbite we need. I just realized that if I had that. We do need that. Yeah. So so stay tuned next week. Next week is the the Winchester show. That's going to be super cool. And you'll end up knowing stuff, top secret stuff that probably your buddies won't know. You mean like his cadangle don't work? That could be one of the things we talk about. <laughs> It's a serious but affliction. But you don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll uh, we'll see you next week. Oh. And we have plenty of guests. Don't don't fret. That's just Tim and I on all these podcasts. <laughs> we have great guests lined up. That's also a deep team. Chinese knockoffs. That's going to be another show ah, coming up. Yes. And so. that's actually a big problem in our industry. Big. That's why we're going to talk about it. Deep, deep tease. tease. <laughs> all right. Until next time. Peace out. See ya. DeerCast is giving you the chance to hunt with Mark and Terry Drury. Head over to DeerCast.com to enter.